about ice cream, and I said, you need to try the Gansito ice cream, Johnny. Gansito ice cream. It sounds terrible, dude. No, no, no. So, like, for those of you who don't who don't know, Gansitos are, like, these Mexican, like, little, like, kind of like Twinkies, but they're covered with chocolate. They have, like, a cream filling and also, like, a raspberry jelly filling, and they are delicious. No. The bread is trash. The chocolate is whack, and it tastes like abuelita chocolate. It's not fucking great. That's a separate conversation. Separate conversation there. It's it's no good. Johnny, you think it's mid? It's below mid. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. guess what? No ice cream for you then. Later. Well, since we're talking about Gansito and ice cream, if you've never been, you need to go to the Michoacana ice cream shop. Fucking great. I don't know if they're outside of Cali, but... They got some wild <laughs> they're called they're, Yeah, they're, they're outside of California. <laughs> I, well, in the States, I'm not sure, actually. But they're all over Mexico. Mexico. Uh, mm. My mom actually met the the family that owns the company at uh, when she went to the World Cup back in 2006. Mm. They had seats next to uh, some of the kids, I guess, from that family who owns that chain, that entire chain. That so, would have been cool if, if he told her, like, we're making this this new type of... A prototype ice prototype, cream, like, <laughs> turkey ice cream, something fucking wild. Yeah, because they got crazy shit like avocado ice cream, right? Uh-huh. Uh, like, wait, is that a real thing? Avocado? Yeah, ice I've cream? seen the, I've seen that one. Uh-huh. They have my one of my favorite ones, and I, I, I don't remember if I talked to this about. Yeah, I don't know if I talked about it with you, but you know what? Wanabana is. Yes, they have a Wanabana ice cream. Mm-hmm. By far, the most delicious ice cream I've ever had. So good. Really? The thing is, it's it's very very sweet. So, like, if you buy it, I can only get, like, one scoop, because more than one scoop, and it's just it's just too much for me. It overloads my senses. Huh. But Wanabana, or Soursop in English, if you prefer, delicious. It has, Wanabana is, like, the best fruit around. It tastes, it has, like, it tastes like banana mixed with mango, mixed with pineapple, mixed with, like, guava. It's like a fruit smoothie in physical Oh, I was thinking form. guava, because I don't like guava that much. No, no, no. Wanabana. Uh, I'm not sure what that Wanabana, is. Wanabana, in English, it's soursop. It's like a spiky green fruit. The big-ass one? Yes. Ah, okay. And you cut it open, it has like white flesh, kind of. It's a little funky. Yes. Yeah, okay. You, you know what's funny is they say the leaves of the Wanabana tree are extremely effective against cancer. The leaves are extremely potent. We, uh, my girlfriend's mom, when we went to visit, we visited somebody like in SoCal. I think it was my grandpa back when he had Wanabana leaves. But like we gave her, we gave her some leaves from the tree and she gave them to her brother who had cancer. Now I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we're not medical professionals. This isn't like an endorsement for the leaves, but he took the leaves, made a tea. He drank that tea for, I think I want to say two to three weeks and his cancer actually went to remission. Maybe. But if you look it up, if you look it up like online, like you'll see like people do sell like they sell like the extract, like the like the pill in pill form, mm-hmm. and it is used as like kind of like a anti-cancer resistant kind of like medicine. What a stage was in? Uh, the one before the fatal one, Th- three I think. Four is fatal, right? Four is like there's no I'm going pretty back. Sure, pretty sure. So I think it was three. I think he was in three because they. I, yeah, I remember my girlfriend said like he had like the one before. It's like you know too late kind of thing. Yeah. So I went to remission. It didn't go away, but it stopped growing, basically. Oh, it became benign. It just stopped growing. I don't know how it yeah. I think that's remission, right? Uh, like, it didn't go away completely. It just, like, kind of backpedaled. Yeah, I think it's benign. Like, it's harmless. It's just there. Yeah. Just keep an eye on it. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like in, like, stasis, basically. So, anyways, if you never... When I'm in itself, like, aside from, like, 
dietary or like medicinal value like it's delicious it's like my favorite fruit there is more so than pineapple or watermelon those are like my favorites so you heard it here first folks unless you're hispanic in which case you probably already heard it before at this point but johnny we're not here to talk about ice cream although we'll try to get some after and we're not here to talk about anti-cancer treatments we're here to talk about video games as we do every week almost every week at this point last week i uh was busy with some stuff so but what matters is we're here now we're gonna get through this okay Johnny, let's go ahead and get started. We have five. Yeah, we got five stories for this week. Let's go ahead and talk about the first one, which is, I think, interesting. Comes straight from the PlayStation blog itself. Written by, I don't know, because, oh, no, they do it. Grace Chen, who is the vice president of network advertising, loyalty, and licensed merchandise. Imagine being called the vice president of loyalty, Johnny. What, like, what Where's kind that, Exactly. What kind of corporatism are we living in? <laughs> no, the full title. Corporatism. How's that corporatism? No, the full title is Vice President of Network Advertising, Loyalty, and Licensed Merchandise. I just feel weird that loyalty, which is more like a, uh, it's like being like the Vice President of Kindness. You know what I mean? It's like how do you how do you do that? But are you saying it's a little Orwellian? Orwellian, yeah, yeah. Corporatism kind of fits into that. I think. Yeah. I think loyalty just means like how do you just keep from losing customers. That's all that it means. Wouldn't me. that be more like retention than customer retention? Maybe? Yeah, same difference. Loyalty yeah. just has like a different, it takes on a different meaning, I think, but that's just maybe. Anyways, enough. Introducing PlayStation Stars, an all new loyalty program. Not to be confused with PlayStation All Stars. That's a video game, guys. I know a lot of people were excited about that. Do not confuse it with PlayStation All Stars, which was like the Smash Brothers clone. Where are you reading this from? No, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, from the PlayStation blog. I'm, that's me saying that. Don't confuse it with PlayStation All-Stars. <laughs> All right. Throughout our company's 27-year history, we have been continually moved by how meaningful gaming experiences can create fond, lifelong memories for players. All of us at PlayStation take special joy in creating unique products and experiences that delight our fans. This includes everything from our consoles and critically acclaimed games to community challenges such as Seize the Throne and Treat Codes to digital and live events, including State of Play. Today, I'm pleased to reveal PlayStation Stars, a brand new loyalty program that celebrates you, the player, for being on this ever-growing gaming journey with us. PlayStation Stars will be free to join when it launches later this year. Once you become a member, you'll earn rewards by completing a variety of campaigns and activities. Our monthly check-in campaign simply requires you to play any game to receive a reward, while other campaigns require you to win tournaments, earn specific trophies, and or even be the first player to platinum a blockbuster title in your local time zone. All PlayStation Stars members will have opportunities to earn loyalty points. Points can be redeemed in a catalog that may include PSN wallet funds and select PlayStation Store products. As an additional benefit, PlayStation Plus members enrolled in PlayStation Stars automatically earn points for purchases on PlayStation Store. Also, as part of PlayStation Stars, we are unveiling a new type of reward called Digital Collectibles. Collectibles are as diverse as our portfolio of products and franchises. They are digital representations of things that PlayStation fans enjoy, including figurines of beloved and iconic characters from games and other forms of entertainment, as well as cherished devices that tap into Sony's history of innovation. There will always be a new collectible to earn, an ultra-rare collectible to strive for, or something surprising to collect just for fun. 
We hope this new program brings to mind past gaming memories while making you excited for the future within PlayStation, commemorating the gaming eras we created together, charting new paths to explore, and bringing players together for global celebrations. This is just the beginning for PlayStation Stars, and the program will continue to evolve over time. We're currently doing some early tests on the program before launching it later this year in phased regional rollouts. We hope you'll enjoy the program once it launches. We'll be back with more updates in the future. Thanks for reading. You're welcome. Johnny. So, two things come to mind real quick. Uh, some people were concerned that these digital collectibles are NFTs. They are not NFTs. They said, they already mentioned in a separate interview with Washington Post, they talk about how like the collectibles you get, they're not you cannot sell them, you cannot trade them, you cannot buy them. They are just basically just little like like almost like another kind of trophy, basically. Yeah. Because people were like, uh-oh, digital collectibles sounds like NFTs or crypto or something like that. No, 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 none of that blockchain stuff. These are just basically kind of like another form of trophies, essentially. So don't worry, guys. People out there who are like, uh-oh, PlayStation's getting into NFT business. No, they're not. And then second of all, uh, it reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you remember this, Johnny, back when, do you remember PlayStation Home? Yeah. That digital kind of like Facebook, MySpace thing, like The Sims kind of, where you can like, have your own like apartment or dorm in PlayStation mm-hmm. and you can like go around and like interact with the PlayStation stuff, make your avatar. Like it's like, it was like the Sims kind of, but anyways, they had, I don't know if they ever got around to it, but they had a similar thing where you had like a trophy showcase thing. Yeah. And then like certain trophies or certain things from games, like you could earn like, like visual rewards. You could like showcase like on shelves and stuff. I don't remember if they ever got to that point where they, they conceptual. I know it was at a concept phase, but I don't know if they ever like made it a thing. But this reminds me a lot of that, where it's like separate from trophies. Like here's like visual representations of things you've done in games. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool that they're bringing that back. I kind of wish they could just bring back PlayStation Home in that case, but I know like it was like a disaster and like not that great. So, uh, but your thoughts, Johnny? Your thoughts on that or the? Well, so you can't trade them, right? You cannot trade your uh, collectibles. Yeah. I mean, back to the NFT thing. NFT. I. Why is it so bad? Why like, why why can't it be an NFT? Like, uh, if Sony's the one just giving out the NFTs, and you still can't trade them, like, why can't it just be a fucking NFT? Because in the well, like, there's no point. But yeah, like, yeah, because you can't sell them or trade them. In that case, they just kind of just have them just stuck there. But then why can't I do that? Why can't uh, I? Well, like, the whole trade point of NFT NFTs is that they can accrue value. That you can trade, and otherwise, and it's not like it's not like, like you really own it. But that's. But does that really have to be the point of an NFT to just fucking speculate? Can't they just make the NFT and like, hey, I just want to trade this with with one of my games? If you can't friends. transfer it or sell it, or it has it basically only has value to you, then it's just like anything else, really. It's just like anything else you would have. Something like, oh, I drew this picture. And that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't care either way. Otherwise, but I do like what they're trying to do here. Like, I don't know if they're going to give you, like, I don't know. There could be, like, a, a digital room and you're, and, and then you could just spray paint it. or. Find That's it. how I visualize it. Kind of like a gallery kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Or there's, like, a little statue that you can get, a trophy, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this. This is cool. It is cool. It reminds me. It's kind of like, well, I just talked about the, the, the thing from PlayStation Home. But, like, I, for PlayStation Home, it wasn't just, like, things like that. It was also, like, unique, like, avatars, like, icons. You know how you have that your, on your PlayStation account, like, you have, like, 
I don't know if you noticed mine. I have like a girl from Hyperdimension Newtonia as my symbol. Mm-hmm. Some people have like Kratos's head. That's like their avatar thing. Like they're like the, the avatar next to your name or whatever. Yeah. So they had like things like that. They also sometimes, rarely, I think rarely, they were supposed to propose like uh, themes. For example, like uh, if you ever played the Kingdom Hearts uh, 2.5 collection, each time you p- complete the game as a different character, you unlock like a wallpaper to use outside of the game, like as your back, your PlayStation, like home screen backdrop you think that's the main goal to have a digital space where you could just lay out all your things oh i thought you meant like just wallpapers uh but i i i don't think i'm not sure if it's like a goal thing i think the clearly the majority of this blog is about the loyalty program itself i think the digital collectible thing is just like an add-on like like hey let's also throw this in there like we're talking about this thing too okay i think yeah i think they could come up with a showcase i think they could have like a i the way i picture it'd be like you know how you go through your friends list like i what if, like, when you hover over your friends list, like, besides, like, the trophy stuff, like, the backdrop, like, the background of your screen, like, also becomes, like, the gallery of, like, what they have unlocked and stuff. That's cool. Like, you know, like, you don't have to click on it, you kind of just hover over it and then it just appears on its own. Yeah. Like, that would be cool. Kind of like, uh, like, when you look at, well, if you've ever played on PC, like, you can see, like, what the achievements or, like, what, uh, stuff like that they've unlocked. But yeah. just by hovering over, rather than, not even clicking and going into a sub menu, you just kind of just hover over them. Yeah, so if I want to see what your collectibles are, I just kind of hover over your stuff, and you're like, oh, fuck, Andrew played this, and he actually collected this. Right. It's not just a little trophy. And then because number. and then because you can't, like, trade them or sell them or buy them, like, everything you earn is, like, legit. Like, like I went through the the work of getting this thing. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I like it. Uh, Steam does something similar, which I think is kind of interesting, where um, they have a thing where, like, a lot of the... A lot of the games have, like, these cards. They're kind of like trophies or achievements, but they're called cards. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's Steam achievements, and then there's cards. These are separate. It's kind of like this. It's like a separate thing. You have your Steam achievements or, like, whatever. But, like, you can also get these Steam cards. Like, they're just kind of like collectible trading cards. And then those do have a value based on... Because you can sell them to other gamers within Steam. But, like, they're, like, a few cents or whatever. Because, like, anybody can just play that game and unlock the card. But if you're trying to go for, like, like, you want to build a set... And you're having trouble, like, like, oh, like I want to complete this set of cards, but oh, I can't do that one thing that's really hard. He just buy the card from somebody else, but then that person loses the card. So it's almost kind of like an NFT, but because you can just make more of the same cards and they're not like individualized, like serialized. It's not because you don't own the entire representation. You just own like that specific copy of that. Kind of like a painting. You know how paintings have a, what do they call it? They're not copies. They're copies, but they call them something but prints, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that. So you can just have prints of cards and stuff, and like you can trade those on Steam. You can sell them and buy them. And then if you, there's people who just play the games that are free and collect the trading cards, and then just sell them for money. But it's not really worth it because the amount of money you get for the time you invest is like, like two, three dollars after like forty hours of playing. So it's like not worth it. But if you're just somebody who's just like playing games and you just collect all these cards, like it's cool to like sell them, and then you all of a sudden like, oh, now I have enough to like buy a game or something. So does Xbox have any of this? No. They have achievements, but you can't do the card thing. Hmm. It kind of feels like this might merge into the idea of like meta with VR. You get to see all your collectibles like right in front of you. That would be dope. That would be That would be awesome. a cool feature for VR2 or something yeah. where you have like a vid- like look around and you can see like the entire like... You can just walk into the space. Gallery, just, yes, museum yeah. thing. Yeah, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. But what do you think about the loyalty program, Johnny? What do you think about the actual loyalty program? So now we're talking about just not the little trinkets that they no. give you, but right. what exactly is that? It's like a rewards program. 
Uh, PlayStation already has a rewards program called Sony Rewards, uh-huh. where all the purchases you make on that on your PlayStation account are linked to your Sony Rewards account. I've had it for like five, six years at this point. I the most I ever got, I think, like every year, based off of what I play and what I get, I probably like earn about like enough for like a twenty dollar store credit a year, maybe if that. So is it the way I was talking to you about? Because we discussed it in the DMs. Is it similar to that? You do collect points and then you can go to Best Buy and then maybe get a discount? No, it doesn't. You can't go. No, you can't do that. So, what, this so is it's for just like, online? This is like for points that you can use within the PlayStation ecosystem of like, I imagine, hey, if you have enough of these points, you can buy this avatar set or this background or you can mm-hmm. get uh But then they do say, oh, but you can also transfer them to your like wallet, to your in-store wallet, to your PSN wallet, basically. Okay your account and then like there you can use them but i imagine like i imagine though their value is probably a lot less than if you just bought like the avatar you know what i mean yeah it's like if you go to gamestop where you can trade in your games for in-store credit or cash but the cash is always less than the in-store credit you know what i mean yeah and in my messages i was kind of discussing that maybe they can do this loyalty program where it's like triple a right and you get discounts in certain places but the direction i was really going into which is which would kind of be a headache for Sony is if you get all these points, they maybe have like a day where it says, Hey, use your loyalty points in this area. And then there would be a place where gamers could just congregate and meet each other. You know, Mm, that sounds like that would just be reviving home at that point. PlayStation home, PlayStation home, but like in the real life setting. Oh, wait, you mean like in a real life setting you want them to meet? It'd be cool if you could get the damn points and it's like, hey, we got this space. If you got points, you can use them to get like tickets to this event. Oh. And then gamers get all together and then they... they like a credit other. card kind of thing or something. We have like points you can... Like you have yeah, exclusive yeah. offers from that credit card. Yeah, company. but they're like exclusive like little Sony events. I could see that. Like if they ever did PSX again, like the, yes. the annual PSX, well... Not an annual anymore, but I could see that being like, hey, like if you have this many points, you get a discount on like the ticket or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I know that uh, the Sony Rewards has a thing where like you can use a certain amount of points, whatever, for like raffles. Like the raffles are usually like extravagant like trips or mm-hmm. like for like, like a Sony Bravia like TV or something like that. So, I mean, they mentioned in the thing it would be used for like you can get them like by just signing in monthly. On your purchases, if you have PlayStation Plus, or like for like tournaments or like special like events, like yeah, the idea is just to get like like minded people together. You know, to me, and basically, like, what it is is just a way to keep you engaged with the ecosystem. Where like yeah, yeah, it's like if you're gonna buy a game, like I always talk about this. I, well, I mean, not with you, but with one of my friends, where like if a game is multi-platform, I'm more likely to get it on PlayStation, where I know I'm gonna get the trophies, compared to like playing it on the Switch, where I don't get anything. You know what I mean? Oh, really? There's no trophies on that? No, there's no trophies on, on Nintendo oh. stuff. So, like, I'm more than likely to get it on PlayStation just so I can get that extra, like, you know, the carry on the stick thing, the Pavlovian, like, trof- little trophy thing. So, mm-hmm. that's what this basically is for that. Uh, I like it's free. There's really no downsides at all. Uh, it just sucks that you can't use it retroactively for all the trophies you already have because <laughs> that would have been cool, but... I doubt like they would honor past trophies because that would be ridiculous, especially with a decade over a decade of trophies being active. Like some people would make like serious bank. So, anyways, let's move on to our next story, shall we? This article comes from PlayStation Style. Li- I'm sorry, PlayStation Lifestyle. 
Written by Zarmena Khan. It says, Judge dismisses lawsuit against PlayStation over digital game sales. A federal judge in California has, has dismissed a lawsuit against Sony alleging a monopoly over PS Store downloads. Last year, a group of gamers sued Sony for pulling digital game codes from retailers, claiming that the company was exercising a monopoly over digital game sales and charging supra-competitive prices. As reported by Courthouse News, Chief U.S. District Judge Richard Seaborg said that the plaintiffs failed to prove their allegations but did at least agree that Sony might be charging higher prices for games purchased through the PlayStation Store. Let me scroll down. In March 2019, Sony announced that retailers would no longer be able to sell PS Store digital game codes. So those who wish to download PlayStation games digitally will have to use the official store. The move was seen as anti-competitive because players were no longer able to pick up digital games from retailers for cheaper than are on the PS Store. But Judge Seaborg felt that the plaintiffs did not provide enough factual detail to support the claim that Sony is exercising a monopoly. Plaintiffs provide conclusory statements that Sony voluntarily terminated a profitable practice, but do not provide sufficient factual detail, he wrote in his order, as reported by Courthouse News. In short, plaintiffs have failed to plead anti-competitive conduct necessary for their Sherman Act claims. That said, the lawsuit can be refiled with more factual details and evidence, and as previously stated, Judge Seaborg did agree that Sony might be charging higher prices for digital games than their retail versions, which should technically be more expensive due to material and shipping costs, among other expenditure. In other news, Warframe developer Digital Extremes has unveiled an impressive new imagery called... Has nothing to do with it. Okay. So the thing was, Johnny, you know you can buy PSN store cards, right? At stores, you can buy like, you know, $40 gift card, $50 yeah. gift card, right? But they also had it where like Target and Walmart, you, you, even Amazon, especially Amazon actually, used to sell the individual like digital game codes for specific games. So like you could have got like Horizon, like Forbidden West, not 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 that way, but like, you know, as an example, like a 40, like, oh, like you can, here's the download code for this game. But it's like forty bucks compared to like oh like the sixty dollars it is online through the PSN store. Okay. And they took that back. They used to be able to used to be able to do that, and then they're like ah oh, we're not doing that anymore. So now they're bringing everything back in house again. And then so these gamers were like well what the hell like we want like that sucks like you're being anti competitive you know by doing that. But at the same time, like they vol PlayStation originally voluntarily like gave out those just like sold those game codes to like the retailers. Yeah. So basically, they're just going back to like, yeah, we're just, never mind. We're gonna bring it back in, and like they're basically saying like, oh, like you're being anti-competitive, like this is a monopoly, but like that's basically like you're creating your own ecosystem. Of course, you can have a monopoly over your own ecosystem, and then like they're saying, oh, but like they're more expensive online, and that's true because sometimes they were like, like Amazon would have sales, right? Amazon's notorious for having sales, and they would sometimes have game codes for like cheaper than if you went on the PSN store and saw them. Again, this is why I tell people get the physical version of the PS5. You don't want to be beheld to a digital only future, which we'll get into that later uh, about uh, Ubisoft later on. But anyway, so that's what the main thing. That's what this whole argument was about, Johnny. Uh, I don't know much about this uh, Sherman Act that they cited. I didn't really look into that. But I'm guessing it must be some precedent for like this kind of anti-competitive business stuff. Uh, Johnny, what are your thoughts about this, if any? I really don't see a problem with this. Yeah, I'm trying I don't to compare either. it to like other products, and other companies don't that I know of don't really go out of the way to give a cheaper product on this side or that side. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, dude. Like, I I don't see how the... Uh... It's like if... Let's say... We're going to come up theoretically. Let's say GoPro, right? Let's say GoPro made it so you can buy their cameras, like, not only just on their online store, but also through Walmart or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? No. You can just buy them directly from us, from the from like the on, from our website. And it's like, oh, like, oh, but they're more expensive that way or whatever. It's basically the same argument. I guess maybe you can make the argument better with, uh, like, movies. Right. That's a good one. Yeah, instead of putting it on theaters, like you have to go straight to like their streaming services. Yeah, or something. but if it's their original IP, then I mean, who They're cares? Able, yeah, I guess there's like other movies you could watch, right? Right. The Monopoly angle, I just don't see that. I don't get that. Yeah, like the judge said, like he doesn't like they weren't able to present enough evidence, and uh-huh. it sounds like they could do this again if they really like really dug deep and looked for more like points to make. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks, but at the same time, I feel like it's it's just. It's not enough to raise a ruckus over, I think. Yeah. So that's kind of where I stand at. But uh, there is definitely a danger, I think, of uh, of having only online uh, content, uh, which we're going to get into. I didn't bring it up originally, but this reminded me of another story about uh, if you re- did you hear about what happened with Assassin's Creed over last week? No. How they well, I'll bring it up in a second. Uh, let me find the news. Where's the article on this? Because it's actually very, you know, we talk about like digital ownership. Maybe I don't see this being unfair because it's a product you don't really need, you know? But it, since it is true, a, since it is a digital product, then what happens if they start like trying to have a monopoly on, say, podcasts, right? Because then people get their news from podcasts and that kind of changes the dynamic to kind of restrict who, where you're going to find that type of information you get me yeah i'm gonna move this story up because we're i was originally not gonna talk about it but it is relevant to what we are talking about um give me a second here all right pull up the story right here uh this comes from i think oh games radar games radar article written by Anne marie osler says ubisoft says owners will still be able to access delisted games amid assassin's creed review bomb it says here, it says Ubisoft now says that the game set to be decommissioned later this year, including including Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, will continue to be available for players who purchase them to play directly. Quote, as stated in our support article, only DLCs and online features will be affected by the upcoming decommissioning. The company said in a statement to GamesRadar, current owners of those games will still be able to access, play, or re-download them. Our teams are working with our partners to update this information across all storefronts and are also assessing all available options for players who will be impacted when these games online services are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. It has always been our intention to do everything in our power to allow those legacy titles to remain available in the best possible conditions for players. And this is what we are working towards. It says, update, Ubisoft has confirmed that Assassin's Creed Liberation HD and three other titles are being decommissioned in September. The publisher issued the following statement to GamesRadar. We don't take the decision to retire services for older Ubisoft games lightly, and our teams are currently assessing all available options for players who will be impacted when the game's online services are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. So the original story here says, Assassin's Creed fans are review-bombing the spin-off game, Assassin's Creed Liberation, that's set to be rendered unplayable in just two months. So the okay, so the original story, I think they fixed it since then, thank God. But the original story was that like Ubisoft was taking off some of the Assassin's Creed games from Steam, and it originally was if it didn't matter if you had bought them already, that you wouldn't have access to them even though you bought them. 
But I guess it looks like they fixed that since then. But they are taking off the store. They're taking it off the store, so you can't buy it in the future anymore. Was that just? Was that intentional? or Was that a fuck up? That was. Oh, that's from last week. But it sounded like originally, it they were doing the thing where even if you had it, if it wasn't on your hard drive already, like you wouldn't have access to it. So even if you bought it, you couldn't. The original story was that you wouldn't be able to re-download it again, even though you had the rights to it. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of like the thing here. We're talking about how. Um, the the rights of because if you ever look at a EULA which is the end user license agreement for right. like most of these games like you don't have the rights to the game you have the rights to the license to the game and then part of the EULA says like even like that license is like irre- is revocable like if they decide to for some reason so it's like you don't really own the game you you don't technically even own like the right to it you kind of just are leased it basically unless maybe you download it too. Unless it's already on your hard drive, they can't like remove it from your hard drive, right? Uh-huh. But like your access could be like revoked, and it's usually like usually part of the user agreement. So it's like, you know, was was it was the thing we're talking about a while back, Johnny? Uh, you'll you'll owe nothing and be happy, kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. So like this whole thing with like Ubisoft, but also like the anti-competitiveness, like it's it's a kind of like a wake up call because like as somebody who. I mean, I now I buy the majority of my games digitally because for you and I, it's just it just makes more sense. So you have access to the games too, right? Because mm-hmm. it's easier that way. But like on Steam, I was thinking about on Steam how I have so many games that I quote unquote own. Yeah. And it's like if I ever for any reason get locked out of that account, like that's it. Like I, I if I can't retrieve my account or whatever, like that's it. And I've heard that's happened to people where like they can't they lose access to it. And it kind of reminds me of like, for example, the stuff with like uh, how like banks can like seize accounts and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh man, like a lot of our stuff is tied to like our emails or identity. And it's like, like maybe you should have like some physical ownership of some games. Yeah, and stuff. I, I do think about that stuff because I have like certain files mm-hmm. and like certain files and photos and music that I do have. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that stuff I can keep into the cloud, right? Right. But I always consider like, fuck. At some point, they might want to kick me off there, and they won't give a shit what's on there. It's just fucking gone, right? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a nefarious thing. It could just be as simple as a company, like, whoever owns it just going out of business. Yeah. And then they just had to shut down everything. And it's like, oh, shoot, like, my entire library was on there. Yeah, but that's why I have, like, all right, I got to have, I got to have, like, music on my phone, and it's on my PC, and it's on my old phone. Like, I'll have, like, multiple, multiple copies of the same old shit. Right, right, right. I don't know, it's harder to do that with games, I guess. Unless you just gotta get a really, really big hard drive, you just keep everything downloaded all the time. Games are a little bit different. Like, I don't feel as tight with a game because I feel like once I I play a game or I watch a film, I'm not gonna touch it for a long fucking time, right? And mm-hmm. games, they tend not to age as great as, as films. So I'm probably <laughs> not gonna go back to a game. Oh, well, okay. I mean, that's a whole different conversation, I guess, yeah. about things aging or not being up to snuff later on but uh yeah yeah i think it's it makes sense to have like backups or like um i know some people who have uh because the switch uses uh memory sticks memory cards like there's some people who have like multiple memory cards like you can only use one at a time but like they have different memory cards with like different games saved onto them you still gotta swap those out because some some uh some stuff that some storage just is dead after like 10 years Really? Just the case, yeah. They just can't hold the 
It's not like it has a whole of charge, right? I don't know right? how it deteriorates, but they're just fucking dead after a, a oh, couple years. That's annoying. Yeah. That sucks. I, mean, I, I go think like, CDs is something like 20 years. Do you have to go back to like analog tapes and like record data on like film and like, you know what I mean? Like old school, like cassettes or something? Well, it just means if, if you have a hard drive, just consider that in 10 years, if you still care about that stuff, you get to around like the eight year mark. Is it better to have like a, like an SSD drive instead then? Those are like... A solid state drive? Yeah. Yeah. Because those... Than, uh, don't decay the same way, right? I don't think they do. No, they like do. A hard drive has moving well, parts, right? Yes. So that's why it's more susceptible to like messing up. Uh-huh. Okay, I just want to establish that. Yeah, I do. All right. So anyway, so that, I just wanted to bring up this article because it's somewhat relevant to the digital anti-competitiveness stuff. And like, I don't know. It's kind of, we're getting to like very tricky situations because there's some games you can only own digitally. And it's like... I remember this was like a scare back when people, when DLC became a big thing during the PS3 and Xbox 360 era where people yeah. were like, oh, like these games, like once these stores are gone, like you don't have access to the DLC anymore. And like, so some people were pissed off when like games, a game they say game of the year edition of a game comes out and it promises all the DLC. But then like when all the DLC is not on the disc, but it comes with like codes instead, like people were like, ah, like that means like it's not safe. Technically, it's on the disc. Yeah, even sometimes, even when you do have, uh, when you do have a product and you've downloaded it, they can still lock you the fuck out. Like I have a what's it called? First came out, Kojima's game, his horror game. His horror game. His horror game, like th- 2013. How do I? How the fuck did I forget? I have insomnia. I'm fucking struggling with memory right now. 2013, he made a horror game. Kojima. Yes, with down the hallway. Walking down the fucking hallway. Are you first think- person? Are you thinking of Shinji Mikami? No. Oh, oh, uh, 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 PT, PT. I still have fucking PT downloaded. The demo, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. can't access that shit because they locked me out of it. It's on the hard drive. Yes. And you can't play. I've it? never fucking. Are you sure? It's right there. The icon is right there. But you can't play it. I couldn't open it. There was a time I was like, yeah, hey, let me let me try this shit. That's again, weird. and it's just locked there. Well, there you go. There's another example of like retroactively like disabling stuff that you, I mean, quote unquote, own, right? Yeah, I mean, you didn't pay for it, it but... on your fucking hard drive. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, man. So I don't know, I don't know, John. I think some games. I think from now on, I'm just gonna get the games digitally that I think you'll probably play, and then whatever I don't think you're gonna play, I'm probably just gonna buy it physically. Yeah, like, yeah, if it's like a Final Fantasy game, I'm like, oh, I'll probably buy it physically. I mean. Even then, because I'm still... Like, even when I get a PS5, I'm still going to have the the CD version of it. So, I will get oh, the disc, play it. Oh, the yeah. disc version of the PS5. The disc, yeah. I got you, I got you. Good point, good point. All right, let's move on to our next story, shall we? We're about halfway through, halfway through. This one comes from Kotaku. The good folks over Kotaku, written by Ethan Gak... Gok, I can never pronounce it. it. says, Unity CEO promises to, quote, do better after calling some game devs, quote, Fucking idiots. End quote. There's a that's a, there's a headline if ever there was one. Last week, Unity CEO and former head of Electronic Arts John Rigatello called game developers who don't think about monetization early quote fucking idiots. End quote. Now the only person feeling like an idiot seems to be him. After previously calling stories about the rogue comment clickbait, he's now offered a more thorough note style screenshot apology. Quote. I am sorry. Quote. End quote, wrote one of the highest paid bosses in gaming. I am listening and I will do better. 
Well, okay, whatever. <laughs> Regatello, who joined the games engine company Unity in 2014, got in hot water after an especially colorful quote from an interview with PocketGamer.biz, began making the rounds on social media on July 14th. When asked about pushback from developers to monetizing their games early in the process, the veteran CEO said it's only a small number who don't operate that way. Quote, Some of these people are my favorite people in the world to fight with. They're the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people, Raytello said. They're also some of the biggest fucking idiots. When, quote, fucking idiots, end quote, started making waves across the internet, the Unity boss at, the fr- at first tried to deflect clickbait, he tweeted that night. Out of full context, deeply sorry if what I said offended any game dev. Absolutely love the people that make games creative hard work. That's like the tweet right there. But the original context of the PocketGamer.biz interview, which was an unedited transcript, was pretty plain. Unity had just announced an unpopular merger with ad tech company Iron Source and was revealing new tools to help Unity devs get early player feedback on monetization strategies. A host of independent developers spent last week publicly criticizing Unity while the company's employees fumed internally about recent layoffs. OMFG, my timeline is full of devs trying to move from Unity to other alternatives. This is a Chernobyl-level meltdown, one one dev tweeted at Riccatello after his kick-late remark. Do something. And so he did. Over the weekend, Riccatello posted a long screenshot apology, which ended with him admitting he'd wish he had never said the clickbait sentence in question. He also tried to distinguish between developers making art for art's sake versus those who want to make a living off of game and in-game item sales. Both of these motivations are noble, Riccatello wrote. If I had been smarter in choosing my words, I would have said just this. We are working to provide developers with tools so they can better understand what their players think. And it is up to them to act or not based on this feedback. Prior to joining Unity, Raytella was CEO of EA from 2007 to 2013. In 2012, the publisher released Mass Effect 3, which was criticized at the time for, among other things, monetization methods, which included Day 1 DLC and loot boxes. Wait. Mass Effect 3 had loot boxes, Johnny? The last one, yeah. I know that. Terrible. That was also the first time EA was awarded Worst Company in America by the Consumerist. It won the award again the following year after backlash over Dead Space 3's microtransaction. I didn't even know Dead Space 3 had microtransactions. Yep. Just a month after Riccatello resigned in March of 2013. Also a multiplayer, if you're not. I do remember it had multiplayer. Yeah. All right, that's the whole article. Johnny, so... Interesting. Uh, I'm not sure really what to add other than I guess what he was saying. He's saying like, hey, if you're if you're trying to make a game and you're not thinking of how you're gonna profit or what your like marketing strategy is, like you're like kind of going half cocked, kind of basically saying what he meant to say. Well, he, what he later reiterated was, hey, we're gonna try to teach you guys the best ways to make games with our engine, and also like the best ways to come up with how to how are you gonna basically monetize your game? Like, how is it gonna be a success? Because you know. Right now, the game dev scene is very competitive, very intense. So, so what he said wasn't without merit. It's just the way he said it. Well, he called them idiot. Hey, well, I don't, he called them effing idiots multiple times. Oh, well, just once it sounded like in the article. But like he's saying, hey, if you're not doing this, then you're like already off to a bad start. That's a nice way of saying. But he was it. talking about the devs. Yeah. Yeah. If like you're not trying to like I guess nickel and dime your customers in some way. I don't know if he said that. No, either. it's implied. It is implied, but isn't every 
gaming company kind of thinking about that? Not okay, not every fucking gaming company. Well, that's why he, that's why he says like there's a difference between a company who's trying to make a game for art's sake, like you just want to get this idea out, yeah, and those people who are in it clearly for monetary purposes. Like like that's your obviously you want if you're making art for art's sake, you want it to be profitable, yeah. But then there's a different mentality that goes into like I want to try to like nickel and dime these people for everything they got kind of thing. Um, and that's what company is that? From Unity, oh, Unity, fuck. the engine. Because if it was like EA saying it, he or... used to be the CEO. Uh, of EA. All right, that that fucking makes sense. Cause that, ca- that mentality carried over. Yeah, because if it's from EA or like Ubisoft, it's like yeah, no fucking surprise somebody would say that from mm-hmm. that company. Um, but he works at the actual engine maker who leases the engine to those developers and stuff. Yeah, this kind of on a tangent, but I think it was Unity that just purchased uh, Weta Workshops or Weta Digital. Their shit is amazing. I don't know what the fuck they're coming up with in the future, but that's just something to keep an eye on. Oh, okay. Uh, so, next article or what? I guess so. I don't know. I just thought that was um, just worth mentioning that how it's kind of like that corporate structure where, like, the people who are on the ground level are the ones who, like, they think of their work as like they're like calling or they're long or whatever and it's always the people at the top who kind of just like you're like you're just another cog kind of mentality you know what i mean the people at the top who kind of like de-glamorize everything and it's just like it's just it's just business sort of no i i sort of disagree with you i understand where you're coming from but like the part where they're making that artistic effort Mm -hmm. it's kind of like what they signed up for they didn't sign up to like keep the fucking company afloat you get what i'm saying like the corporate heads are just thinking about like how the fuck do i get this money how do i how do i pay everybody etc right there are those like bastards where it's like i'm gonna take a big ass fucking shit no 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 no, no. i'm not i'm not okay i'm not trying to make them seem like because we're making a lot of assumptions at the same time right yeah okay i think well i think my glasses are kind of colored because of the ea background but yeah, I, I understand the people at the top are the ones who kind of like, you can't afford to think romantically, right? You kind of have to keep oh, everything. Yeah, just all the time. You have to keep everything like oiled and yes. working and running. I get yeah. that too. But I think there's such a disconnect, I think, from the people at the top who are the, like, that. it's like parents being parents, right? From a PR position. Yeah, it's like parents being parents and the kids are just trying to like, well, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Like, right? It's kind of like that, right? But it's interesting to see like how further up you go, how your priorities of like, it's like, I want to do this becomes more like we need to do this kind of thing. You know what I mean? I think it's interesting how it just goes from like, it's kind of like, it's like the stoop, the dark night thing. Like you live long enough. If you, you see, if you're live long enough, you see yourself become kind of the villain kind of thing where like only the ones that rise to the top are the ones who are like the one, they, the ones that need to be there basically, as you can say, it's kind of hard. I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but what I get, I'm trying I to get, say is... I, th- I think we're, like, splitting hairs right now. Sure. But it's just, I also don't want to, like, generalize so much. That's fair. That's fair. I think it, I, I think it's the EA background that just makes me think, like, I do miser, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there's another way of saying that without, you know, cussing at people. So. Yeah, that, was, that portion was totally uncalled for. So, anyways. Okay, now we're moving on. Now we're moving on. Uh, this next one comes from Forbes, Johnny. That's right, the the business magazine Forbes it says Elden Ring is now one of the top selling games in U.S. history, according to NPD, and that's the national. Uh, 
remember what it's called, but they're the group who tracks like the sales of software and stuff. National mm-hmm. something public. I forget what the D stands for. That it's not a joke. Don't make a joke. All right. Even for uh, I got you. <laughs> it took what you a second. Stands for okay. even for as much praise and attention as Elder Ring has gotten since its release in February of this year, we still might be underselling it. Elder Ring is not just a critical success to a point where it's one of the best reviewed games of the past few generations, but it is also a monstrous sales success unlike anything from software has ever seen. Similarly. As similarly praised as their past titles have been. The headlines recently have been that Elden Ring has topped the NPD sales charts for a number of months since launch and has now even outsold Call of Duty <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> as the most bought game of the past 12 months. So this is only compared to basically Call of Duty Vanguard. Um, I lost my place. Oh yeah. But now things are hitting a new level. The NPD's Matt Piscatella who's like one of the Twitter accounts I follow. He's the one who does all like the sales stuff. And he even said like the night, day before this came out, he's like, oh, like there's huge news coming out tomorrow. So it actually stands for National Purchase Diary Panel Inc. National Purchase Diary, you said? Yeah. Oh, okay. The NPD's Matt Piscatella has shared that Elden Ring now ranks among the top 10 best-selling premium games in the U.S. market ever. The NPD is also always uh, frustratingly short on details as it's not giving numbers, not saying whether games are in the top 10, and not telling us where Elden Ring has placed, but probably 9 or 10 if this news is just being announced now. For more current stats, Elden Ring remains the best-selling game of 2022. It has been first place in dollar sales for four of the five months it's been released. It will likely start seeing larger challenges in the fall now that games like God of War Ragnarok and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 have been confirmed there. As God of War could challenge its Game of the Year claim, and Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 2 will challenge its sales. Fundamentally, I would be pretty amazed if Elden Ring did not win the majority of Game of the Year awards this year, even if Ragnarok is pretty, very good. It just seems to be in a league of its own. Given the absolutely massive success of Elden Ring, DLC for the game seems inevitable, given how many other FromSoft titles have I've done the math on this before, and it seems like Elden Ring DLC could be announced as early as next month, and if it follows the path of path, past games, could be released by the end of 2022 or in early 2023. The last hard number numbers we hear for Elden Ring were 13.4 million units as of mid-May. It seems exceedingly likely that the game has passed 15 million sales since then. But we have not heard that announced by FromSoft yet. They could be waiting for 20 million. It's un- it's not unthinkable to imagine that could theoretically happen before the end of the year. Given the number of sales so far and its continued chart topping, stay tuned for more. And there you have it. That's pretty much the whole article. Um, kind of relevant just because I started getting back into Elden Ring like literally this past week. So, yeah, you kind of put it in the back burner, right? I I took a break from it, but now I'm ready. I I got back into it again. And I'm like, okay, like now I remember what I was doing, like where I was and everything. Uh, so this is interesting, Johnny, because from soft games don't usually. I mean, they usually sell well, but not that well. Like 15 million is pretty huge for a game. I think like your average game does like around four, if that. Like if they're lucky to do four. Probably less than that, actually. They're average games? No, average games in general, like, okay. usually sell about three, maybe? Maybe three, maybe four? Dep- yeah, like, like I've mentioned before, this game is just an anomaly to me. I mean... It is. In many ways, it is. Because it's not, like, there's not a trend. There, it's, it's not like you can point to, like, every game they've released has, like... It's not, like, a solid straight slope of sales. Yeah. It, it's, it, like, it's, like, kind of flat, kind of consistent, and then just bam. 
yeah, I've of course I've played portions of these games and aesthetically, narrative, combat, like none of it does it for me. There's nothing where I'm like, I gotta go back for this. I'll agree with you on the narrative front because it's largely non-existent. I think. Yeah, I disagree um, on the combat and everything else, but that's just me. That's yeah, just me. I will. Of course, like the game isn't for me. I get that. Mm-hmm. But playing it, I just I, there's nothing that captured me that where I said I gotta figure this. I need this in a different game. You know, like some games like expose you to something. And you're like maybe this game isn't doing we can it right. Borrow this, but yeah, but I can I could probably appreciate it in some other type of game. You know, oh, that's yeah. out there. Yeah, Elder Ring, like you said, is definitely an anomaly. Um, I'm enjoying the game. It's like I said, it's really, really difficult. And you're right. I think what makes it so well and compelling is just how simple I think it is. It's just, it's very, it's very bare bones, like you said. But I think that's kind of a novelty in a way because so many games today are a little more complicated. And it's like, this harkens to like the old like platforming days of where like games were just hard because that's all you had basically. It's kind of like it's kind of like a it's like the revival of like two D art sprites kind of look kind of thing, but this in this case like people I guess do want to be challenged in a way. I think the the challenge is superficial, like the the portions where where you fucking die and then you go way the fuck back and you lose all your shit. That feels artificial to me. There's work there's works workarounds to that. For example leveling up using all that stuff before you fight the boss a given boss so like if you lose something like you can't lose that much and there is workarounds yeah, sort of to... like you're in the game fucking grinding and all of, a, all of a sudden you get killed by a lobster that's not <laughs> and it's some random fucking lobster you weren't expecting to see yeah. it's not like you were walking into a quarter knowing there was a, a boss battle yeah i think yeah yeah you're right there's Parts that are pretty unforgiving. Although there is, there's usually like warnings though. You can trigger the warnings on the ground. They tell you like they show you like the last few seconds of somebody who was there before you. Yeah, if you catch it, like the warning is like you die, and then <laughs> now you fucking. But die. they usually show you how they die. Usually, they show you how they die. Whether they get fall off or they get killed by something. You're like, oh shoot, something, something, somebody got killed here from something, and that's the warning basically. But. I mean, I don't want to d- go over old talking points because we ta- we've had this yeah. discussion on the pod before. But uh, yeah, Elden Ring's doing really well. I think it's true. I think I think it's going to be Ragnarok and Elden Ring are going to be the game of the year competitors just because of recency bias. Like when God of War Ragnarok comes out, it's going to be about a, a few weeks before game of the year discussions start being held. And that's going to be in a lot of people's minds at that moment because it's so recent. Well, narrative, it's gonna fucking win. Aesthetically, it's gonna fucking win. Combat, I'm sure it's gonna fucking win. I mean, what else? But like, the thing is, those. Why would I vote for fucking Elden Ring? All of those things are subjective, though, right? I think this. Nah. I think the story is like probably the closest thing that could be considered objective because Elden Ring's story not is even closest, non-existent. Elden doesn't have a story. That's what I'm saying. I think that's a that's the one place where like for sure because there's no emotional baggage or emotional like connection or bind there for Elden Ring I think I think it's just hear ye hear ye and you know what I mean it's kind of just like that and like read and read right there's no like cut scenes in the sense of like boy and like dramatic stuff right there's no it's not the same thing it's just not the same thing but well look it is a lot of swordplay but from soft okay Elden Ring is 
multi-platform too. You have to remember yeah, that. I was about to it's multi-platform. That. It's a big ass factor. God of War Ragnarok is clearly just Sony and PlayStation. So PC maybe. Well, the first one's on PC now. I don't know if this one's gonna be on. I PC. actually hope they just fucking say fucking it, cool PC. That'd be interesting. That would probably help it, but I, I think that there's gonna be there's gonna be some overlap between people who do play Elden Ring and people who play Ragnarok. But I, I, I think the majority of people. The people who make those decisions, like the gaming press, basically, mm-hmm. they they might just kind of be like been there, done that. I think with mm-hmm. both, I, for me, it would be really close. I think I think it's gonna be really close. I don't think I think you're gonna see some media outlets say Elden Ring, and then some are gonna say God of War for sure. But like when we talk about the game, as in Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards, that one, I don't know. I could see it going either way. Depends. Oh. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out, right? But I do think sales-wise, because Modern Warfare 2 is, again, multi-platform, I think that's going to be the one to challenge Elder Ring's uh, sales, like they mentioned in the article. So, uh, oh, yeah, You said what? Call of Duty? Yeah, Modern Warfare is going to be the one that's going to challenge in terms of just sales numbers, sales figures. Uh, because COD is... Uh, it's multi-platform. Levi- it's a titan of a, of a series. It's a juggernaut when it comes to well, like, sales. We're talking awards. Like, what awards is it going to take? No, no, I'm just saying they're just from sales numbers. Mm. Split, spe- just speaking about sales figures. Because Call of Duty almost never wins so, awards. Cause Call it's of li- Duty has a better story than Elden Ring. Call of I Duty. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. A fucking game that comes out every fucking year. And a game who usually sells... I think what was it? To like, people just buy it for like the multiplayer aspect. I think it was not most necessarily the story. Yeah, I think most recently, right? I think Call of Duty was like the highest selling game like for multiple years in a row until just like I think last year when Ragnarok. I mean, not Ragnarok. Uh, Vanguard kind of just dropped the ball. But anyways, let's move on, Johnny, to our last story. Uh, one that I'm not super you know keen about. That's worth talking about just because we're talking about all this heinous uh company stuff this article comes from dual shockers written by jose garcia finally a name i could pronounce so skate will reportedly have loot boxes called swag bags it's like hey if you don't call them loot boxes you know we get rid of that like that title has so much baggage change the name to swag bags no as per a reddit post Showcasing what appears to be a screenshot of the recent skate playtest, the upcoming title will have product boxes have a random unlockable item inside when you open them. These boxes, labeled as, quote, swag bags, end quote, are purchased by exchanging taps, some form of in-game currency. As per the screenshot, taps are earned by exploring Fun City and completing Fun City challenges. Is it really called Fun City? That's funny. What can be unlocked in these swag bags are customization items for your character, as well as build kit items that will let you customize your own skating area. The news of this upcoming skate game is something that has been making the rounds for several weeks now. First came the reports of a closed playtest invitation being sent out to a small number of players. Then details from this playtest were leaked to the public, including the presence of in-game currency. Finally, EA Studio Full Circle revealed that this game wouldn't be called Skate 4, but simply skate as it would be an ongoing live service free to play game meant to be supported and updated for years to come. Skate is a longtime EA franchise, which began with its first title back in 2007. It was EA's attempt to dip their toe into the skateboarding genre following Activision's massive, massively successful Tony Hawk's pro skater series. EA did end up finding success of their own following the title up with two sequels that late, the latest of which skate three 
was released in 2010. The series had been dormant for a while, and the skating game genre, in general, was seeing little, if any, AAA support. Therefore, many were excited about the announcement a year and a half ago that Skate would be returning. However, the most recent revelation was that the new Skate project will be an ongoing free-to-play game has seen pushback from some series fans who are concerned that modern monetization methods may taint the overall experience. Full Circle made a point during the, le- the reveal to specifically quell these concerns, affirming that there would be no pay-to-win, no areas locked behind paywalls, no paid loot boxes, and no paid gameplay advantages. Indeed, as seen in the image, the supposed loot boxes are seemingly purchasable via an in-game currency, though that doesn't necessarily quell all concerns. That's the end of that article. Johnny, now, I mean, I imagine you're probably not the biggest skate fan, right? I know I'm not. I love Tony Hawk, but... But I, I mean, skate the, the franchise same. here. Yeah, I don't know if it plays the same as Tony Hawk's. It's much more realistic. I remember our cousin Ruben had, like, the first two games. I remember watching him play it. It's less arcade... Uh, Tony Hawk is more arcadey. Skate is, like, if you did Gran Turismo for skateboards. Like, it's very realistic. It's very about, like, downtown... Not, like, absurd, like, crazy stuff. It's more, like... Manipulating the like the the board with your like thumbsticks and stuff like in air. Well, from the last um, from the last like little demo they put out, which was an unpolished, but they showed you some of the gameplay. It looked pretty. It looks nuts. bad. It looks really bad because that's like not even like alpha level footage. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it looked bad, but it was obvious that they were saying like this is an unpolished product, but we got to show you the progress just to show you they exist. Yeah, but the way that they put a ton of like players in the same level uh-huh. it looked pretty fucking wild and it did look arcadish to me like maybe the physics and all that are, are like a simulator but the environments look like they might be in, in an arcade setting all right i'm sorry when i said like it's not arcadey i meant like because tony Hawk pro skater like the controls are very very simple they're very simple and like the physics are pretty like yeah yeah you okay. can get away with a lot of like egregious stuff. Yeah, skate is much more like when I say like you manipulate the the skateboard. You have to like master these moves. It's not simple as like, you're just pushing buttons. Like you have to like mm. align your skateboard when you're falling and stuff like that. Like it's very like hardcore hardcore compared to the more arcade Tony Hawk where you're like running around like collecting tapes and spelling like floating letters and you know what I mean. Mm. It's like and like oh like ride a ride like. You run off and like collect these tapes. Run off and uh, freaking later on in the games we can ride like dune buggies and like all sorts of like outrageous non skateboard related stuff. Yeah, so, okay. I could see myself getting into skate if it has a level creator because I'm it does. Just, really okay. Level creators have been a thing since like the N64. Like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater had all the all of them since two have had like level creators because that's like a huge part of trying to. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the skate I'm experience. a fucking sucker for customization skate, and building. Skate was cool because it had like a theater mode. I remember this because Brian, we, I mean, Ruben, we used to do this all the time where like you could set up like specific like, like you said, like parks, but then you could also like film and like change like tech camera angles and stuff like on the playback. That's awesome. So you can make like really like dramatic like stunts and tricks yeah. and then like rotate the camera and like freeze it wherever you want it and stuff. It was, it was really cool. It was really cool. I had like a video editor. It was cool. So... If they could bring that. They can bring that back and just like not take stuff out. Just add to the experience. I think it'll be good. Uh, as far as the loot boxes, though, it sounds like surprise mechanics. I really don't care um, if it's just aesthetics. Yeah, they even said like there's nothing like gameplay stuff is not going to be locked behind the. Mechanic. I said environments aren't going to be locked. Yeah. If if none of that is locked, I'm cool with it. Because it sounds like it's just going to be aesthetics, and aesthetics are just like whatever. 
Because yeah. what comes down to it, it's not like it's not like other like games that are built this way. Where like for example, like uh, for shooters, like if they added a new gun, like that drastically changes like the meta right of the yeah. game. Whereas skateboards kind of all perform the same. There's just skateboards, right? It's really down to like how good your skill level is. Mm-hmm. I could see that being. I can see it not. I can. It's like a non-issue. I think here. I think uh, loot boxes carry such a negative connotation. It's kind of like a PR move, you know. It's like a. It's like we don't the surprise mechanics, right? Like that thing, right? Yeah. So swag bags. It sounds. It's the same thing. It's just like just don't call them loot boxes. Yeah, I've never, I've never cared if they're in there as long as they're not pay to win. Was the point? Right. And I think it was a good call that it's a live service. I, I think it's way better. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, just the thing at that point is, um, how much of a complete game is it at launch at base? You know, what I mean, like, what are the varieties of parks and like? I, I know they said they're not going to lock anything behind, but like. I have to imagine they're probably just going to add stuff over time rather than just giving you everything at once. Like, every few months, oh, here's a new park. Sure, it's included for free, maybe, but, like, as it seems like an excuse to kind of not front load a lot of, like, stuff. You know what I mean? I think it's all right as long as the core gameplay is there. Like, they they got to have a, a sufficient amount of parks, right? Mm-hmm. But if the gameplay is there and they got parks, it's fine. Yeah, this is... I mean, what else could you want out of a skating game? Yeah, this game has the advantage that there's not that many skate comp- like skateboard competitors out there. I mean, there's a few skateboarding games. Most of, uh, some of them are 2D and just kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. So it definitely definitely have like the mindshare like monopoly on ter- terms of like skateboarding. The thing is, just are they going to be able to support it like long enough for it to be like maintain its dominance? Is what I'm saying like because we, we talk about how life service games are like they kind of live and die by the community, and it's like. It's gonna be up to the player base to decide how long how long this game has like legs. Yeah, for a second there, you made me think of like, what if I wanted like a platformer skating game to scroll across in two D? That kind of is a thing though. There's a is it Ollie Ollie? There's a game like that. It's kind of like that. Actually, it, it's actually been around for a long time, and that game is called uh, The Simpsons. Do you remember that? Or with the skateboard? Oh, which which so we're talking old school shit, dude. We're like, I think it's like Super Nintendo. Which Simpsons game by the name do you remember? Nah, dude. Oh, it was a side scrolling. I know what I know what you're talking about, but I, I, it's one of my I vaguely remember favorites that isn't spoken about much these days. Oh, it's getting swampy in here. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Vaguely, I just don't remember what system or was that an arcade game or what. I don't remember. You have to look that up later. But uh, anyways, all right, those are our six stories. It's supposed to be four, but we kind of went on a tangent uh, for the week, sir. And Johnny's currently on his phone looking up the Simpsons game in particular. Uh, Should I Johnny or no? I think it's called Space Mutants. That sounds about right. Is that the one with like the red glasses with the filter? Yeah, that's the one with the red glasses and the filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You're right. So besides Space Mutants, Johnny. Oh, shit. Look at this image. Heavy nostalgia right there. Dang, I can't believe we were entertained with that. 2022 Johnny would not be entertained by the likes of 1995 Johnny. <laughs> oh, the glasses. So yeah, you're the saying red... you'd be on the sidewalk, you jump like... it was like It's like they live, basically, where like you put yeah, on the glasses yeah, yeah. and like it shows you who's an alien or whatever. Yeah, because there's a ton of colors, but the glasses tell you... It's they... like a red lens filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny, what have you been playing? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, nothing, nothing brand new. I'm like, doesn't matter if it's new. Doesn't matter if it's new. So sometimes what I'll do during the week is I try to watch like films or or things that I'm going to talk about in the pod towards the end. That way I have like my memories fresh on it. But you're going to do it now, aren't you? Hmm? But you're going to do it right now, aren't you? What? Talk about films or movies, right? No, I was saying like oh. there's stuff that I wanted to play today, but Andrew was like, "Let's do the pause today." I was like, "All right, fuck it." Oh, you're gonna play while I was here? Oh, I didn't know that. No, it's not, it's not a big deal, but oh. yeah, I was gonna get into like uh, Odd World, Abe's um, Soulstorm because they put it out a demo for that. So I'll try that mm-hmm. demo. It's a classic game I fucking love. Um, but yeah, didn't get around to that. I started playing Resident Evil again. Uh, That's right. I didn't mention that. Uh, Resident Evil Remaster Part right. One. It's basically the remake. Yeah, the Mansion One, the remake. It's a remaster of a remaster of a remake. Try saying that. How's it a remake? So, the, it was a remake of the old PS1 game, but it was mm-hmm. put on GameCube, right? Okay. Then it was remastered again for PS3. Yeah. And then it was ported to PS4, which is how you're playing it now, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's definitely not like the classic. After There's... the PS3, for the PS4 version, they added the thing where you don't have to only use tank controls. Because the PS3 version had tank controls, PS4 has the option of tank or no tank. Yeah, you get the uh, alternative controls, yeah. and locations aren't the same. So that's like, why I say it's a remaster of yeah, a right. remaster of a remake. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like there's places where the hunters are not in the same locations. It's not beat per beat by beat. Right. Uh, I think in this game you also get the red zombies, right? Crimson heads. Crimson's, yeah. That's that was in the first remake, so the GameCube version had that too. Yeah, so I I've played a good portion of this version, except. I owned it somehow. It fucking disappeared from my library, and then I went into your account. I was like, "Oh shit, he fucking has it." That's right. Uh, but the point now is that I can get the trophies for it. Yeah. So that's why I'm gonna get into a this. very notoriously hard game to platinum. Very hard really? to platinum because there is an alternate mode where you have to beat the whole game without saving, and if you die, you just you lose everything. But also without saving, and then there's another mode where you have to like beat the whole game, but there's like an invisible zombie you can run into. And this invisible zombie, if it grabs you, you instantly die. It explodes. It's like a suicide vest zombie. It's weird. But that's like one of the alternative like post-game modes. I'm not doing a platinum, I guess. It's it's incredibly hard to platinum because of that. Just because of those two things, really. Anything else, Everything else in the game you can do easily. It's just... I mean, the, the main trophy I like to get on every single game is just the highest difficulty. Not that. Yeah, you can do that. the highest difficulty... With the least amount of time or something, right? Um... There's a there's a trophy for beating the game on the hardest difficulty and under a certain amount of time. I might go for that. That is doable. That is doable, I think. But then you have to have a really good idea of the layout of what you're doing yeah. every second. Yeah, it's not going to happen on, on the first run. No. I'm that's probably going to give this one. Unless run. you follow like a guide that, where it tells you, like, okay, they're going to do this and this, and you like plan like six steps ahead, then you can do it. Yeah, because um, I'm going to start with Joe and... I might skip uh, Chris, but if, if I'm in like the mood, I'll just go straight into Chris. Jill's That's mo- what... That didn't sound right. <laughs> Anyways. Jill's mode is a little easier, I think. Uh, she, t- she takes less hits, but she has two extra inventory slots, and that's going to cut down on a lot of like back and forth mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, Also, I just like Jill's... I like Jill's story a little bit more, although... Because you get more of Barry. I think, Chris, you get more of uh, Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca's cool too. Rebecca's cool, but Barry, I mean, he's classic. He's got this and Jill Sandwich. Jill Sandwich. Yeah, there you go. He's got all like the Barryisms. Yeah. 
and Rebecca's just kind of she's kind of just there so but uh that's cool that's cool because then that way if you play this game you'll have a fresh mind going into the Resident Evil series that just recently came out on Netflix and well I'm gonna watch that well are you gonna do both you're gonna simultaneously do both or yeah because the Resident Evil thing I didn't I thought it was more of a film but I guess it's it's a series yeah it's a show which somehow all the games up until that point are canon in the in the universe of the show yeah. So the mansion incident, all the way up to Wesker dying in a volcano, all that is still somehow canon in the show. It's canon to the show, but the show isn't canon to the games. Exactly. Yes. Correct. It's kind of like how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, was that it? You just, so you just did you just start playing that already, or you haven't? No, I've started playing. So where are you at? Where'd you leave off then? Uh, not far, dude. I'm st- I'm still looking for my first key. Got into the mansion. Got into the fireplace, saw my first zombie, uh, trying to make my way through to figure out. Did you just, where, did you just see when Barry does that stupid thing where he like licks the blood? Yeah. Why does he do that? Shouldn't he be He's a zombie? Barry. He's dumb as fuck. He should be a zombie by that point or after that, right? I, I don't know if that was zombie blood. Yo, you know they don't really save it zombie. You're right, they don't save it zombie blood. I thought it was implied that there was zombie because that's where like the zombie he shot was before, right? I think. Yeah. Okay, I'm going on a tangent. Oh boy. Okay. Do you want to do a tangent after? I need to come up. I want to ask Joe to make us a theme so I can just a little jingle when you go on a tangent to be like Johnny's tangent. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, fuck it. Let's do a tangent right now. Go ahead. Uh, zombie apocalypse. Oh god. Which zombie movie or game do you think we're more likely to survive? Because the- obviously the Resident Evil ones, as long as they're the slow zombies. Yeah, but we have to integrate all the monsters, right? That's Fucking fine. nemesis. Lickers. Oh, shoot. They're the fast dogs. You're right. Oh, man. Because it, like, the games don't make sense in, in real life shit. because think about it. There's, like, cross species, right? Mutant, giant versions of animals. Yeah, so if, if we're thinking everything can get infected, are you, like, in, in the safety of, your like, your basement or in a safe or something? And all of a sudden, you got to deal with a zombie ant? zombie ant yeah i didn't think about that that's not an enemy type though is it well are we are we talking strictly the enemies from resident i am i am okay so you know there's a zombie elephant is that a it's in conceptual no it's in the in uh outbreak file number two the the second outbreak game you know outbreak right with the survivors yeah yeah go from scenario to scenario in the second game called file two they go to the zoo the raccoon city zoo and there's lo- there's zombie lions, zombie hyenas. Wait, and- this happens? This- yeah, yeah, it's a I game. Played it was a PS- That's probably you guys had the first one. You guys had the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Outbreak, just Outbreak. But there's Outbreak File 2, which is a second, like a sequel. I had to play it because that's probably the only one I haven't played. Yeah, that it came out pretty late in the PS2 life cycle. But uh, there's like zombie... You go, like for some reason, your crew, you know, you have Cindy. You have the guy who looks like uh, Dennis Rodman. I forget his name. Yeah, yeah. You have Kevin. And you have like, like all these... All these the cast of characters, right? I fucking want that game. There's so David, the guy who like constructs things out of random stuff. Mm-hmm. They go for some reason. It takes them to the zoo, and they encounter like all this like zombified like animals, and it's crazy. It's crazy. I I want to play those games. I feel like they haven't aged that well. Yeah, I want the remake of that, but I feel like uh, after Resident Evil Three, you know how we get that little cast of characters, and they have to es- the core like cast. Escape room. Oh, you're talking about the uh, survivor or whatever, yeah. Yeah, the thing that was attached to three. It's like the it's like the isometric. Um, I forget what the, the term is called, but it's kind of like the Freddy game, the Predator game, like 
Yes. Where it's one person against a bunch of people. Yeah. I feel like that that was a beta test to see if they could do Outbreak. That would be dope. I would love a like modern remake of Outbreak and Outbreak File Number Two together as like just like a like online only kind of game. I really think that that was their intent. That's just modernize the cameras. Um, find a way to make it to drop in, drop out for people who can't stay for the whole session. Well, the levels got to be big. I didn't like being so confined, but uh, yeah. Anyways, oh, that was a limitation of the PS2. I think that's why. Yeah, but that's but that was. But also, things attached. are scarier when you're confined. Also. Yeah, I don't want it to always be that way. Though. You don't want to be, like, claustrophobic? No, I want... Also, the limitations of the old games, they had to make confined spaces, but we have all this fucking tech now. Like, we have all this open... all this open room to yeah. do activities in. <laughs> give me a large space. Like, uh, give me a parking lot with a shitload of cars. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, you know what it's... I wanted? You know how in Resident Evil 3, uh, the remake one, you you're like, when you fight, when you first meet Nemesis in the co- on the top of the parking garage? Yeah. I wish that section was a little bit longer. Yeah, that, yeah, that would have been cooler if you had to like fight your way to each level of the parking structures. That would be more fun, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you with that. I do, I do think some of these set pieces could be like expanded on to be a little more uh, interactive. Yeah, so uh, I'm playing Resident Evil and Odds World. Uh, what is it called? Soulstorm. Have, has the fixed camera angles has it been an issue for you, or have you, or do you adapt to it no, easily? No, it's, I adapted immediately. I just got to figure out the controls, like exactly, you know, just get accustomed to like when to aim, when to shoot, because they're different, like than modern day shooters. I, yeah, it's still it's still awkward. Yeah, just pop. You have to stop, aim, move, and then you like, aim. Yeah, yeah. That game looks beautiful. I think that game looks really nice and remarkable too for when it came out in the GameCube. Like it doesn't look as good as that. But, like, everything still looks good for, like, a game that came out on GameCube. I was surprised because when I got to the portion where Barry licks the blood, I'm looking at the animations thinking it's going to, like, look pretty fucking old. But, no, the animations look pretty good. Well, they redid the animations, I think. They redid, like, the character models. But I'm talking about, like, the background environments. Because a lot of that is not there. It's superimposed, like, you know, like, pre-drawn backgrounds. Yeah, they do look a little dark, though. They do look dark, yeah. I think it has to do with the saturation of like the CRT TVs back when on the GameCube and stuff. But like, because uh, you know, limited time, limited technology back then. But I do think the backgrounds are some of the most impressive, like drawn backgrounds for the what they exist. Yeah. Because like, when you get to the later, like when you go into the underground lab, like you're gonna see like these water ripple effects and your reflections of your characters in the water, mm-hmm. and just the way they were able to do that on GameCube hardware back then, like it's like really impressive you should look it up on youtube i can't remember the name of the documentary there's like a little bit about like someone there's a youtuber who kind of goes into the background of the development that game that remake on gamecube was like made in like less than a year and like that was like one of the most notorious like crunch time like games and it's and you can kind of see that because the game does look phenomenal but also it's kind of short kind of short so So, but so was the original so that could be it so since I'm playing that, uh, just coincidence, but Resident Evil came out on Netflix, the series. I'm going to be watching that. Me too. I haven't started it yet. I don't watch it. Probably uh, just going to get home. I've, I've seen some reviews. Not that great. But because it's Resident Evil, I have, I'm fucking forced to like watch it. It's right? like me with Final Fantasy. Like You slap that name on something, I'll play it, even if I don't even if I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah. So what have you been playing? Uh, oh, just real quick, just as an add-on, because you mentioned that about what you're going to be watching uh stray that cat game game great rave reviews mm-hmm. won't be able to play it until tomorrow as a recording uh i'll have thoughts about that next week and maybe um 
because I have the PlayStation Plus, like the top tier, the height, the third tier, that is included for free, quote unquote free, right? Yeah. Giant doesn't think anything's truly free, but yes. Well, no. <laughs> it's it's part of the membership, right? Obviously, the paid membership. So yeah. I'm gonna play that. I don't know. I have thoughts about that next week. But uh, what I've been playing, I finished Star Wars Squadrons, which was like the VR game. I finished the campaign for that. It took me about 20 hours, which is pretty long. Uh, there's like 14 missions, but each mission is about like an, half an hour. And I could only play it in small bits because playing for more than an hour kind of makes my head hurt a little bit. So I would do like two missions at a time and then just like turn it off. And then like next day, two more missions and then turn it off. So it took me about a about a week because there's like 14 missions, including like side stuff like player, like just like kind of like playing like an online lobby but with only against the computer kind of because i suck when it comes to like online lobbies like the people who play that game like a multiplayer they are extremely good like they must be playing on pc or something because they're like really really good and there is like cross um cross play so i'm me playing with my vr like with my wants like you know it's just not it's just not gonna you know fly pun intended so uh the game is really awesome i enjoyed it it makes you feel kind of like if you've ever gone on the Star Tours ride at Disneyland. It kind of feels like that, except more. Oh, it's really hot in here. It's kind of like that, but much more interactive. So Let's turn the fan on if you want. The fan is on, Johnny. The other fan. Oh, okay. In a little bit. And so, yeah, the story is pretty cool. You play. It kind of does a both sides thing where you play as the Empire, and then the next mission you'll play as the Rebellion, and then back to the Empire. So you're getting like the both sides of the conflict kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you kind of feel like. Like, oh, like, I like this side. I plan on this side, too, because I identify with these characters. But it's also like, oh, well, I like these characters on the opposing side, too. But, like, oh, they have different objectives, though. Like, they have different views of, like, what should be, like, the government of the galaxy, basically. So, I mean, obviously, the Empire side is much more ruthless. But, like, they're funnier, also. But they're much more kind of, like, uh, like supremacist is kind of like their viewpoint. You know what I mean? And like we're Republic side, like so like all the emp- all the people on the Empire side are all just humans, but then all the people on the Republic side, like half of them are aliens and half of them are humans. And because like the in Star Wars canon, the Empire is like very like speciesist race. I don't know if that's a term, but basically like they only really allow humans into like their ranks. And then on the New Republic side, the Rebellion side, they have like all the different aliens plus humans and stuff. So it's interesting to see like how they view each other. Where like the empire is clearly supposed to be like the like the like the authoritarian one, yeah. And the republic's supposed to be more like this loose ragtag band of just like people who want to be free, whatever, whatever exactly that means in the context of Star Wars. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It's a fun game. Uh, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, I'm hoping they do another one because I can imagine how much better that game would be on on VR two. Yeah, because the game's the frame rate's kind of bad. The resolution on the VR is kind of bad. I played one mission without the headset, just the regular screen. It looks so much better on the screen. But you also lose that immersion because you're not in 3D cockpit mode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of... It looks better, but it's boring by comparison. So... And then when I'm in the... When I'm in VR, like, I can, like, swivel my head around and, like, look around and be like... I can, like, track, like, fighters as I'm pulling my ship up. Like, pulling back. I can track them, like, through the, through the window of, like, my cockpit. And so it's easier for, for target. I'm like, if my voice is going in and out, it's because I'm moving my head right now. But like, I'm trying to show Johnny that like tilting my head up, like I can keep track visually of a target while my ship is still being pulled up to like catch up. And you can't do that like in 2D screen TV mode. It's not, it's just not feasible. So 
3 d is the i mean uh v r is the preferred mode just know that the game looks worse in that mode also so yeah, yeah. i figured out that's that's why i don't like first person games to that extent oh okay that's a whole different topic but oh because you have less like awareness or environmental like you can't see what's immediately around you right yeah the problem with first person games is like like we're looking at each other right now but our field of view is like so fucking massive all the sides yeah and in the first person game it's like super narrow and in order to to get like a gun on the side of me i have to actually turn my fucking head like at a crazy ass speed yeah and then grab that weapon and ammo and then all the fucking 180 to the other side whereas like you and me right now we we could just see what the hell is right next to us and just pick it up as we go yeah it's like real life is like the curved like ultra monitor like yeah viewpoint basically right like you can see to the sides and then like in a first person shooter like in a traditional traditional first person shooter like you just have the boxed yeah. like head you know head and on. you could change the the fob in first person games but then everything gets so far stretched away. out yeah. further and if you don't have a screen that because it call of duty cold war has the option where you can change your field of view mm-hmm. but if you do that you encounter two problems one everything like further away looks worse for some reason uh-huh. and then two uh your reaction your like frame rate kind of dips a little bit a little bit yeah, so, there's so much more data on your screen that yeah. you have to render out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you prefer to play with a more narrow view, but like you're faster and snappier. So it's it's a give and take, give and take situation. But uh, so yeah, I finished that, and then to keep the Star Wars thing going on, I finished the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, which was like all nine films in Lego form. Yeah, and I can tell you, boy, that took a while. That took a while. So, wait, so how'd you figure out that thing where they're kind of humanist or whatever you were trying to say? oh the empire yeah yeah like what gave you that impression well because also in the books in the books they mentioned that Uh, like for example like the only high-ranking non-human in the empire is admiral thrawn who's a he's a blue guy with the red eyes i don't know if you've seen them yes he's a chiss is what his race is there's an audio book for that sounds yeah there's three there's three thrawn books actually they're canon right now yeah and so like he rose through the empire but like in spite of like all the restrictions against him whatever because he's just that good He's just yeah. so good that you can't ignore him. Like the Empire could not ignore how how talented he was. But that's it comes up it comes up in the books. Other other Star Wars like material kind of mentions that. Yeah, but, you're uh, saying the Robo is like. We'll take anybody. Yeah. <laughs> anybody as long as you don't like those motherfuckers. Exactly. Pretty much. Exactly that. So. So yeah, I finished Lego Star Wars Skywars Saga. That took a long time just because like, I was having fun with the prequels like you know Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Rage of the Sith. And about halfway through, a little past Empire Strikes Back, because I was going like in like chronological order, mm-hmm. I kind of just got bored, and I kind of just fell off of the game for a while. And then just recently, I got back into it to finish uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. And then once I got to like the newer stuff, like the stuff that I hadn't seen in Lego form before, like uh, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Return of the Sky- uh, Rise of Skywalker, that's when the game became kind of fun for me again. So I kind of just dropped off a little bit. I'm like, this is too much Lego Star Wars. I took like a month off of that game. And then I got back into it and I just finished it. And it, I enjoyed it a little bit more. That game is like very content heavy though. Mm-hmm. There's so many collectibles and so much to do like in the inner space area. Like when you're not playing like the story. There's just so many characters, so many ships, so many things to unlock. that It's like, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I think we talked about this before last time I mentioned it. But it's just, it's just a lot of game and it's very repetitive so i just completed the main game i did not 100 percent it because i just i don't have the time nor the energy for that 
I mean, I do have the time, but I just don't have the energy for that. So that's where I'm at, Johnny. And I keep many. I keep meaning to start Death Stranding. I keep getting distracted. I'm just fucking waiting for you to jump into that. Game. I have it right there on the hard drive. I have a list. I gotta bring this up every couple weeks. I have a list. Andrew needs to complete for games. And those games are Death Stranding is at the top of the list. Where's the list? Oh, I see it now. Death Stranding. You've already tried control. games. Andrew should play. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. Death Stranding top of the list. Control. He already gave it a chance, so I'll let that go. The last one is Frostpunk. Oh boy, he'll fucking like that. I don't, I'm not really into RTSs, but okay. And uh, Infamous open world game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then XCOM. You're t- you're talking about Second Son, right? Not the yes. old school one. Okay, yeah, Second Son. It's great. It's just fun. It's just straight fun. XCOM. I think I have access through Game Pass, but I think it's the second game though. I have it too. Oh okay. I have XCOM two well, through I have Game all Pass. Frostpunk, I think, is on Game Pass too, actually. But does it have the DLC? No, I usually don't bother with DLC for most games. Infamous, I know. I have a DLC. Infamous, I know I have for sure through the PlayStation Plus thing because it's on there. Yeah. It's part of like that uh, PS5 package or whatever. Control, yeah, I play Control. I don't know, I might get a chance again, maybe. Yeah, Death Stranding is probably the one I'm probably going to play. The thing that just turns me off is like, I think it's a long game, isn't it? No, that's why I was going to say you should go for that because of all the games, that's the shortest one. Shorter than XCOM? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Frostpunk is um like you get into scenarios but like you may feel very fucking defeated like when you actually lose and you might not be able to get back into Aren't, it is each match just that long or what no they're not that long but like where it feels like ah, oh, such a chore to start from the beginning no not not really it's just oh. that well maybe it's because i put it in the hardest difficulty oh, okay. and if i lose i feel like so demoralized right and i know there's so many other scenarios that i have to play in that game but Death Stranding Seasons, it is a story game, heavy on narrative. It's linear, you know? It's an open yeah. space, but it's more linear than anything else up there. Gotcha. Uh, I'll, I'm going to play it probably after I finish Elden Ring. I'm at the point in Elden Ring where pretty much I have the entire map, like, open. I've There's no, like, no more areas for me to uncover. And I'm, like, in the last, I want to say, like, quarter of the game where it's at this point, it's just like the last story bosses, and they're just all like notoriously hard. So I just have to power through all the story bosses, which is like I think four or five left. Yeah. And then I'll be done with the game. That's like another probably like 10, maybe 15 hours. And then I'll be done with the game, assuming I'm able to finish it. So, so yeah, that's where we're at, Johnny. That's where we're at right now. Not watching anything. Uh, okay, so since the last time recorded, I actually binge-watched for the first time all of uh, The Boys. Yeah. Uh, so, Joe, out, if you're listening, I finally watched that show. I'm Well, I haven't f- finished it yet. I'm, like, halfway through the third season, which is the last season that's available right now. Um, It's extremely gory. It's very... Oh, my God. It's a lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of body parts, a lot of nudity. It's, like... Everything to the extreme. It's like, hey, let's make a show that's rated R, but like it hits not it hits all it checks all the boxes. How's the acting though? The acting's actually really good. I think I don't like the main character, the one's played by Carl Urban. I don't uh, think you're intended to like Billy Butcher. No, no, he's like the main he's like the protagonist of the show. He's a guy uh, yeah, the guy is he from uh He's in Thor Ragnarok. No. He's he was- in Thor Ragnarok. He plays the executioner in Ragnarok. He's also he plays one of the in Star Trek. He's like the doctor guy. 
Who the hell is the Executioner? Executioner is the bald guy. And Ragnarok? Oh, I haven't seen Ragnarok. You haven't seen uh, Thor Ragnarok? No. The third one? Yeah. With Hela? Oh, yeah. He's the bald guy with the M4s? Remember? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Carl Urban, yeah. He jumps at the end. Yeah, 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 with the M4s. Yeah, exactly. I got these from a place called Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. He's the main character. He's the protagonist. He always wears a leather jacket. He's Billy Butcher. That's the character. He's like the human who's going against like these superheroes who are like supposedly evil. Mm hmm. So, I don't really care for him, but I do... Homelander is, like, the antagonist of the series. He's, like, the main bad guy. But he's very interesting. He is very fun to watch because that guy can, like, act his ass off. Like, all his, like, facial expressions, all his movements, like, the way he says things. Like, he is very charismatic and very intimidating at the same time. So, so the premise of the show is there's, there's like, there's this society where the superheroes are, like, celebrities. Like, they all have, like, multiple, like, campaigns and promotional ads, ad prom, ad campaigns and like they make movies like they're basically like walking like product endorsements and like they save people and stuff but like in the in their secret ordinary like lives that are not public like they're like real jerks they're basically just like real like they're not good people okay like they they'll, they'll kill like innocent people just for the fun of it sometimes but like on their public facing side they're like heroes and lauded and stuff kind of kind of like corp- the whole the whole hero thing is kind of like an allegory for like corporations and stuff basically because they do work for a co- company called Vought which is like owns like the top top heroes but like they're they're just marketing so like like oh like so and so like oh your points have your, your your points have dipped or whatever like the your polling is down your polling numbers are down like oh you need to do like another ad campaign to like people love you again kind of stuff and the main characters the one or the protagonist I should say it's a group of people who have all like in their life been wronged by superheroes or have been like the justice system has not like helped them out. So like, they're basically trying to take down this corporation at the same time, trying to kill these superheroes who all have like very, very niche like weaknesses and they have to like figure out what they are and stuff. So it's a cool, it's a pretty compelling show. Like it's kind of just a commentary about like um, corporations and government collusion and like, how the average person just gets screwed over and screwed over and screwed over multiple times because the system's broken. And it's a really interesting show. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's definitely the kind of show you can't like watch in the, in the living room. You have to like watch in your room. Cause there's just like a lot of like massive amounts of profanity, massive amounts of sex, massive amounts of gore. Like it's just, it's just all over the place, but it's actually really fun. I'm enjoying it. It's really fun. I'm halfway through the third season, which is the last season. I mean, so far they're gonna have another season come out. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I binge watched. I've been binge watching that for this past week, and it's good. Other than that, I haven't really been want. I mean, like I mentioned, I've been want meaning to watch uh, the Resident Evil series, but I also bought the. I mentioned this last week, and I forgot. <laughs> I bought the Blu-ray for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen it. It's just sitting there. <laughs> I forgot to watch it, but uh, hopefully, I watch it this week. So that's where we're at, Johnny. That's where we're at, but Johnny. I think you know what time it is, sir. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. It's time to name that game. Have you heard the tune in or no? Yeah, plenty of times. Okay. For today, Johnny, we have six questions. Again, I've kind of calibrated these, but we'll see. It's so hard without knowing what's going on in your head, like what you know, what you don't know. So 
let's see if we can do these. All right. Number one, Johnny, number one. In the Crash Bandicoot games, each Aku Aku, or the Tiki Mask, you get provides one extra hit of protection. How many do you need to become temporarily invincible? Is it A, 2, B, 3, C, 4, or D, 5? So this is when he actually puts on the mask and he becomes like invincible for a short time. Because usually it just kind of floats around you. I'm going to go with 2. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is incorrect, Johnny. Three. You need three. It was two on the nose. Well, you do wear it on your face, so yeah, it is on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes three. The first one, you just take one hit. Second one, you take an extra hit. Third time, you become invincible. And then you get go back down to two after that. So, incorrect, Johnny. I'm sorry. Number two. All of these are Assassin's Creed settings, except for which one? A, the Golden Age of Piracy. B, the Italian Renaissance, C, Feudal Japan, or D, French Revolution? Feudal Japan. That is correct, Johnny. That is correct. How did you know that one? Treasures, I guess. Okay, that's a good answer. And a lot of people have been asking for a Feudal Japan and Assassin's Creed, and they still haven't given us one. But good. That's, you got one right. So you got, you're one for one. Number three, Johnny. Play sh- play, play sh- PlayStation noticed that a lot of gamers migrate to PC during every mid-generation, and so they created an upgraded PS4 instead of just waiting for the next-gen cycle. What is that PS4 model called? Is it A, PlayStation 4 Plus, B, PlayStation 4 S, C, PlayStation 4 X, or D, PlayStation 4 Pro? Pro. Well, what answer is that one? Pro. Uh, the last one. PlayStation 4 Pro is correct. That's right, Johnny. Good. That was too, like... Again, I've, too I'm trying to calibrate, man. I'm trying to figure out where you're at. The PlayStation 4 Us would have been interesting marketing. PlayStation 4 S? PlayStation 4 S? I said S. Said? Yeah. Huh. You said Us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> PlayStation 4 Us? Yeah. That's a good name, For Us. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think about that. That's clever. You're doing good, Johnny. You're two out of the three. You got two great too correct so you can keep it going number four grand theft auto san andreas was temporarily pulled off the shelves when it was found out there was a graphic sex minigame buried in the game's code what was the unofficial name of that minigame can i say it before do you know it yeah go go ahead okay he's not sure he backed up a iced tea b hot coffee c iced coffee or d netflix and chill hot coffee that is correct. It was known as the Hot Coffee Mod. That's right. This was notorious. This was back in 2005, I want to say, when uh, notorious video game lawyer John, uh, Jack, Jack Trenton, or the Jack something. Camera's name. Actually, Jack T something. But yeah, there was like a huge. Like they took off the game and they put it back as adult only. And then finally, Rockstar decided to just move the code altogether from the game and put it back on the shelves. But yeah, there was a point in time where Sanders was recalled because of that pansies those were dark times for rockstar dark times that Number? was cool hot coffee was interesting yeah i suppose so i think it was just because they lied about it being there was the issue because that pushed them over to a, an ao rating and they didn't want it oh that's right so that's why they disabled it and buried it but then like on pc someone figured out how to unlock it data mine yeah data mined it so number five number five this one's gonna be a little trickier johnny this one's more of your general video game knowledge there's a game where the stars in the sky fall 
And you, as the prince of the cosmos, must create new stars by rolling around a sticky ball that picks up more and more things until it's big enough to become a star again. What is the name of this game? Is it A, Ikaruga, B, Chulip, C, Danganronpa, or D, Katamari Damachi? Katamari Damachi. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct, Johnny. Very good, very good. How did you know that one? Or did you just, you just, it's just over time, absorb it's that? It's just the fact that I don't know why I retain. It's just the fact you just, you just have in there? Fucking have you ever played Katamari Damachi? Nope. It's a fun game. It's actually kind of fun. It's, uh, the controls are hard, but it's designed that way on purpose because you're rolling around a giant ball thing, picking up stuff. So very good. All the other games I mentioned, by the way, are real games. Just so you know, they are real games. Number six. You're doing really good today, Johnny. You're five out of five. You're four out of five so far. That's a new record for you. Number six. Infamously developed by 38 Studios. What game's poor sales forced the developer to go bankrupt and become unable to pay back the state of Rhode Island from which it got a loan to develop said game? Is it A, Kingdoms of Amalur, B, Darksiders, C, Fable, or D, Two Worlds? Kingdoms of Amalur. Johnny, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Very good. Look at you. You got five out of six. Not bad. Still not good enough. The I'm only never, one I'm that you missed, Joe. Like, what's what's the point anymore? The only one you messed up on was the first one, the Crash Bandicoot one, which I feel like you should have got. All the ones I, I that's the only one for sure. I'm like, oh, John's gonna get this one. Uh, yeah, I just felt like it was a trick question. And then everything after that was like, I'm not sure. That's the only one I should have gotten. Like for sure. Yeah, that's funny. But you did pretty good. Five out of six is still respectable. That's an A. Okay, so. something's got to change because I'm never gonna be Joe. There's gotta be a way to beat him. Add more questions? Yeah, but that's a little too demanding. He, he got, what was it, seven out of seven, I think, last time? Yeah. I gave you six questions this time only, so... You know what that means? Next time, it's got to be eight at least. No, you know how it's going to go down. Uh, next time we do a pod together, we got to have buttons. And then we got to... A buzzers? We got to race to the oh, answer. Oh, that would be way more interesting. Yeah. Because then it doesn't matter if you know it. It's how fast do you know it. Yeah. So once I get... What is it, six or seven? Right now. Right now, you have five out of six. Okay. So once I get six, then I mean I, I qualify to actually compete against Joe with the buzzer. That'll be fun. We should do that one day. Yeah. I mean, we could do that over Zoom, but if the delay it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it's too much delay. Yeah, so we'll have to figure that out. We'll have to get we'll have to get him up here in the high desert again. But anyways. Very good, Johnny. Congratulations. Alright. We have basically reached the end of the Jep. Yeah. I wanted to say Johnny in episode at the same time. I said Jep. Johnny, any last thoughts, any last comments, anything you want to say before we sign off? Any more health tips about light, blue light, red light, blue light, green light? You want one of those type of... Uh, yeah, like a Johnny's I'm just tip stuck, of the week? I'm just stuck on that uh, Star Wars thing that you mentioned. Are you still lingering on I'm that? I'm stuck on it, dude. Why? I don't know. Like Maybe the Rebellion just want to make love to their fellow alien... You know what they say, John? Brethren. Make love, not war, they say. They want that Wookiee love. Wookiee love. I'm, I, I'm singing in my head to the to the Drunken Love Beyonce song. But it's like, Wookiee in love. Baby all in night. Little, little it's like, Chewie all night. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, if you have made it this far, thank you, first of all, for listening this far. Uh, we appreciate your listenership as always. 
Uh, tune in if you have any questions, comments, suggestions. Oh, John, we should do that real quick. We mm-hmm. want to put out a call of action for next week. Is there anything you want them to like? You want to ask that maybe we can get a response on of like, I don't know. You want to put out like a question of the week kind of thing or something. Remember, Joe gave us this idea. Our friend, our friend Joe, cousin Joe, gave us this idea about putting out like a sort of call to action to the audience if they want to answer. I just want to know why, like, when they disagree, that's what I want to hear. Okay. Like last time, the other, uh, the other person that wrote in, that was dope. That was a very legit question of why I'm always shitting on Xbox. I mean, part of it's just for fun. And part I, of it I just... like getting that type of feedback. Like, tell me why I'm wrong or why you agree. Okay. Well, there you have it. So, if okay. So, every week, but specifically this week, <laughs> send a question to Johnny asking him something about his viewpoints uh, or why he doesn't like something or why he does like something. After 60 episodes, I have to imagine Johnny must have established some kind of, uh, like, established personality on this pod. So, uh you should know Johnny's isms at this point. And, or me. Or me also. There's always that option. Again, we'll see you guys next week. And goodbye. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, DualSense Podcast at Yahoo.com. Again, DualSense Podcast, one word, at Yahoo.com. Also, our Twitter Twitter handle, uh, DualSense P on Twitter. Okay, now, goodbye.